Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 82. Uh, today, we have the pleasure of being joined by Chris Wright. Chris Wright is a professional basketball player for the PLK, the Polish Basketball League. Um, but when he played for the Dallas Mavericks in 2013, he became the first known player in the NBA to have been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Yes. And like many of us with MS, his story is, it's compelling and yes. very interesting. Um, it is definitely a joy to speak with him and amplify uh, Black male voices in the MS community. So, yes. yeah, we hope you enjoy this episode. We certainly did and it's it's a pleasure to speak with him yes welcome to the myelin and melanin podcast i'm dawn and i'm dana we are two black women sharing our musings on life ms and everything in between you can find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're a fan of the podcast, please consider supporting us through our Patreon. Patrons gain exclusive access to bonus content, giveaways, myelin and melanin merchandise, and more. Our Patreon can be found at patreon.com forward slash myelinmelanin. We also want to give a special thanks to our music producer, Shah Severe, for providing our podcast music over the past three seasons. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for speaking with us, and we're happy to have you today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be on, on you guys' podcast. I'm looking thank, forward to Thank you. So, Chris, would you mind telling us a little bit about your MS story? Like, when you were diagnosed, what were your symptoms, all of that stuff. Wow. Um, <laughs> I know it's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I graduated college in 2011. And when I graduated NBA lockout year, so there was no professional basketball. Everything mm -hmm. stopped after, ironically, <laughs> it stopped on June 25th. Um, it stopped on June 25th. And then there was no discussions for anybody on the NBA side for, I want to say, five months, six mm -hmm. months until maybe November. Uh, so at that time, but with no season happening, I decided to go overseas and I played overseas and I was in Edina, Turkey, uh, which is about three hours outside of uh, Istanbul. And I was in a normal day of practice. I was in a normal day of practice. I actually came in. We would have two practices a day, one at 10 to 12 and then the other from five to seven. Mm -hmm. And I was in practice before the morning practice and went to work on my game. And I just started feeling you know, a tingling sensation in my right hand. And the next thing you know, it just, it just shot up my whole right side of my body and the right, my right leg. And it just became pain. And before you know it, I just felt this constant tingling and kind of burning sensation mm -hmm. throughout my body, my entire body within less than, you know, two minutes, it seemed. And um, so obviously I was like, I don't know what in the world is going on. Right. Um, so I told my coach, man, I said, yo, I think I need to sit out today. <laughs> something right um and I've, i never asked to sit out of practice i'm always as i said i was there early right you know, extra stuff and so when i said that he understood what i was saying when i went and how what that meant for me um so i went to the doctor i mean they told me to take the day off and the next morning when i woke up i forgot about it 
and I couldn't stand up when I tried to get out of the bed. I fell straight to my, you know, fell straight mm. to the And uh, I had to call one of my friend's teammates uh, to come and help me. Mm-hmm. And I had, I got wheeled in. This time I couldn't walk, so I was in a wheelchair yeah. going into the hospital. And mm-hmm. uh, when I went to the hospital, again, they told me nothing was wrong. Just, you know, relax. You can actually go back to practice. And I'm oh. like, I'm like, what? I can't walk. I can't walk. You talking right. about practice. And uh, so I had a fit, you know, I had a fit. I went, mm-hmm. I went off, uh, threw some things and, you know, just mm-hmm. a little different. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it got results and I was able, they actually sent me to a specialist in Istanbul, Turkey. And that's when I was clinically diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis. Wow. Um, what did they do to, so did they diagnose you after an MRI, a spinal tap? Like what kind of test did they do to, um, the to MRI, diagnose you? Yeah. The MRI showed that I had mm. about eight lesions in my brain. I don't know. I, I, I may be making this up. I think about eight <laughs> in my brain that were, okay. lit, that were lesions that were lit up in my brain and like three in my spine. Okay. Um, okay. And I also had some lesions in my brain that were also, that weren't lit ups, meaning that they were right. Fast. So it was something, but I still can't remember me having any symptoms or anything. The first time I can remember ever having a symptom is when I was 22 years old in Turkey. Right. I don't remember any symptoms before that. So how long, so you went to the hospital, you couldn't walk. They're telling you, you know, oh, you can go back to practice, blah, blah. So how long was it before, you know, that appointment until when you, um, when they referred you to go get your MRI and all that stuff? It was right away. Was okay, right away. good. So, you- so I was able to, that next day I came in a wheelchair mm-hmm. um, and I had my little incident <laughs> in the hospital. Right. Mm-hmm. We, went, we drove straight from there to Istanbul. Okay, gotcha. Because I was just, I was confused. I wasn't even, I wasn't scared. I was just confused. Right, right. And I think that actually helped me a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. Really do. Really think because that. were you familiar with with multiple sclerosis? Had you known anyone with MS? I have no nobody in my family, that media family or friends that I know with multiple sclerosis at all. So I wasn't really aware right. of you know the condition. You know, I wasn't aware how it affected people. It's not something that's mainstream. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, cancer gets and all these are rightfully so getting their mm-hmm. getting their marketing on. But cancer is heavy. Diabetes is heavy. Yeah. Cholesterol is heavy, high cholesterol, those things. MS mm-hmm. is nothing that's necessarily talked about. In yep. the main so I didn't have any true knowledge or information about it. So the first thing I did was go to the internet. <laughs> and that was yeah. probably the first thing I could do. <laughs> yes, we had read that in a recent article that you did. Yes, the internet is like, it will terrify you to death just no, yeah. going on the internet. Yes. Yeah, so it was, it was, you know, for me, and then what happened at that time, uh, when I, so I'm, after I was diagnosed, I was dr- riding back, I was riding back to my city, and in the meantime, I lost, <clears throat> you know, we kind of had like prepaid phones and stuff, and I had, uh-huh. no, I had no minutes, so I couldn't really use my phone. When I got back to the, uh, to my apartment, my phone had like 300 messages, mm-hmm. you know, it was an article put out in a, on a European website with me quoted saying how I know my career is over and I feel oh, I'm looking forward to the next phase of my life and, and I'm not going to stop. And I'm like, and so people are messaging me crazy, like, Chris, what's going on? And friends and family and, you know, fans. Uh, and I'm like, 
I don't even know what this is. Right, right. I, like, I don't even know what's going on right now. And why, why is this, you know, who wrote this? And why is why am I quoted in this? You know, like, it, right. was, it was crazy. It was a very, um, it was a confusing time more than anything. Yeah. That's the best way I can kind of describe it. So, you know, everything just happened so fast. It just happened so fast and so sudden. Right. And I just yeah. had to you know, and I was alone. I was away from my family and my friends. Oh, um, yeah. Know, as an adult. And so how you didn't even you have again? time to process things. Yeah. Until you, all of a sudden, you're just thrown into this. Listen, wow. so you, where yeah. I was at in Edina, Turkey, was literally one street. <laughs> is uh-huh. one street, and at the end of the street is a mosque. If you go, uh-huh. if you keep going, if you go to the end of the street where the mosque is, you turn right, you go about a mile or two, that's Bulgaria. So we were right at the border of Bulgaria. I can literally go to lunch for Bulgaria. There's uh-huh. nobody there that speaks English. I'm the only person of color there. So everywhere I go, people are staring at me, looking at right. me like, you know, it's like a giraffe or something walking. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> so, you know, so it was very, it, it was an interesting, it was a major culture shock for a kid yes. in Washington, D.C. Yes. Um, right. You know, it was a major culture shock for me. And you were 22, you said, right? Or 21, 22. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, that leads to the disclosure topic. You know, and disclosing is, it's a major struggle for many of us uh-huh. in this community. I mean, when I was diagnosed, I was 25, officially diagnosed, I was 25, but I started seeing Dr. Creighton, and I have to say that Chris and I do have the same doctor, Dr. Heidi Creighton. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when I was diagnosed, I remember thinking, I'm not going to tell my uh, my employer. And I was a DC, I'm a teacher, I was a DC public school teacher for many, many years disclosing was so terrifying to me yes and, yeah you know yeah. i'm sorry it, go ahead no no no. I, not to cut you off it was uh uh-huh. it was very tough for me in my profession it's still, yes still has been very tough um right the many uh that's the battle <laughs> yeah although you know this is going on to my 10th year this will be um and there's so many stories and there's so many different scenarios that because right. of the multiple sclerosis, uh, just to give example. Okay. So this is, uh, well, after re- really, okay. It's, it's so many stories. I don't even know what it, <laughs> one of them, <laughs> it really is. So when I was in Israel, I got a deal to go to Israel, um, in Halon, Israel, which is about 10 minutes outside of, uh, Tel Aviv. Nice place. Great place to play. Beautiful place for your family. It's, it was actually really nice. It was really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Everybody speaks English. Like it was crazy. Israel, the weather is beautiful, is great it's mm-hmm. everywhere. And um, so I enjoyed it. I liked it. I went out there and I was playing, I was playing really well. And unfortunately, in a game, in a preseason game, I uh, popped my tore my calf muscle in a, in a game. And so when I tore my calf muscle, come to find out that I didn't have they didn't have insurance for me. Because mm-hmm. the rule in the country was if you have a pre-existing condition, they could deny you insurance. Wow. Even though they had guaranteed that I would have insurance through my contract, right? You know, so I was out there without insurance, and my wife was pregnant. Oh my oh god! Gosh, oh. <laughs> with our second child. Uh, oh. So I'm sure you can imagine what my wife was thinking. Yes, yes. And how it was a very tough time. We also that was our second child, and our son was. He went to school. That was his, actually his first words were in Hebrew. Ironically, really, yeah. Wow in Israel at that time um so it was a very interesting time just having it 
trying to figure out how to man just going to the different type of doctors yes trying to figure out just sneaking and it was a really kind of trying time all because of the multiple sclerosis right commercial campaign trying to promote to get insurance there you know um it was wild man it was right so what happened was they gave me an ultimatum before them on my game they said you can sign this contract knowing that you don't have insurance and you're gonna play or we have to release you what what wow oh god yeah i don't even know what to say oh my god so i mean what type of what kind of responsibility would would you know i mean what is no choice there you know you right gotta, there's you gotta go you know i mean if yeah. i was more i would have took my time more and i would have you know when it felt like i was up against my back was against the wall right I actually had leverage in that situation um because they had promised me insurance and it's, and it's right and uh, but, you know, being at the time, I don't even want to ruffle any feathers. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still trying to fight my way up in my profession. Yes. Um, I decided to go a different route. Wow. wow. Because I think athletes are seen as invincible. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if you get an injury, oh, you're out six to eight weeks and you're coming back. But with MS, it's completely different. You are in the public eye. You have a high profile profession. You know what I mean? This is a big deal. So what made you feel comfortable with talking about it and and disclosing and making the decisions that you made? First, I felt that it was kind of not forced upon me, but Mm. because of my name originally. So this is, uh, I'm saying I'm 23, 24. At first, it was kind of something I just, you know, it just happened so fast. And then ironically, when I got diagnosed, I was diagnosed and I eventually met Dr. Creighton. So this might have been around March or April. And then mm-hmm. I didn't start my first doses of until June and July of Ty Sabri. Okay. And, yeah. And then after that, by six months later, I was in the NBA as the first player in the, in the NBA with multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. So that summer, it was kind of like, okay, you got to do something, you know, you know, let's do something with the MS thing. So we kind of started doing things and we had, we actually, you know, created a foundation and mm-hmm. we had, you know, we did a lot of things, but it was a lot. And I, and as much as I wanted to help, I didn't have enough information on my, yes. my to help. Mm-hmm. I had my name in, and it was attached to the NBA. Right. Um, so it wasn't, so after that, once I started to realize that and it became difficult and I had to talk about it all the time and uh, in all these interviews and with teams and stuff like that, I decided to stay away from it for a long time. Yeah. I, I was completely uncomfortable talking about it. Yeah. Right, right. But now, oh, you know, yeah. my, going into my 10th year, you know, I have more experience about it so I can speak about it and I feel comfortable enough to speak about it. So that's why I started to speak now. Right. Right, right. So we've been reading, you know, lots of articles about you in preparation um, for this discussion with you. And a lot of the language that is used in these articles is very, I mean, it's, a wonderful flowery language about how you're such an inspiration and which you absolutely are. But that being said, is it ever a lot or overwhelming to have to live up to these really inspirational ideals? I mean, you're human. I think even in another, in a, another article that we read, you said, and totally right. I'm not Superman. You know what I'm saying? You're just living your life, doing your thing. So is it ever just a lot to have to live up to these like glowing 
you know, words and standards that people have of you? I wish I didn't say I wasn't Superman because I do feel like Superman. I need to say <laughs> You are. Yeah, right? <laughs> people just misquoting you. And, <laughs> right. right? <laughs> Somebody else misquoted me there. I don't know about that one. <laughs> no, but um, no, yeah, you know, it was, it is a lot sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It is a lot and it can be overwhelming and it could be something that, you know, you want to shy away from. Um, but I also feel a responsibility, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I do feel the responsibility with what I've done and what I, I feel like I can still do. Um, right. That being an inspiration is, is not necessarily that I'm trying to be, but I feel like if, if I'm doing things the right way and they can see me pushing every day, mm-hmm. You know, and me just trying to push forward in my path, that is that could be inspiration to other people. That's not Absolutely. my that's not my intention, but I think people will gravitate to how I move and, and you know how I carry myself. Definitely. Right. Right. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, I I mean because it takes the pressure off of feeling like I have to perform, I have to be something that I'm not. And maybe one day you just may wake up and you're you're not feeling your best. I mean, that's just the honest truth with MS. We have mm-hmm. those these days where we're extremely fatigued. And, you know, do you ever feel that pressure where I have to perform, I have to get this done? Um, yeah. Or Yeah, and I put those pressures on myself because yeah. mm-hmm. it's the profession that I chose. And at the end of the day, if I want to choose this profession and I want to be successful, you got to win. And excuses, yeah. don't, excuses don't, <laughs> don't matter. Um, yeah. So me being the, the, the competitor I am and, and being in the, the, the sport that I am and loving this sport and mm-hmm. willing to do what I have to do to win, I, I take it with a grain of salt, man. This is your obstacle. This is part of your job. This is, if you decide that you want to play basketball, then this is what you're going to have to deal with. You got to figure mm-hmm. out the best way to control yourself mentally because physically sometimes there will be limitations. But if you can right. train yourself mentally – and try to push those limits when it comes to training outside of the real game, then you have, you give yourself a better opportunity to, you know, be successful. Absolutely. Yeah. And another, another wonderful question we have, Dana and I talk a lot about representation in this MS community. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of one of the reasons why among many, why we started the podcast three years ago, because we, as Black women, didn't see ourselves represented in, right. you know, in the MS narrative. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like you see yourself represented in this, in this MS narrative? No, I feel that, I, I really feel that I've, I've always felt independent and kind of one-on-one mm-hmm. this MS journey. And I think everybody kind of feels that way because everybody right. has different kind of symptoms and it affects yep. them in ways and everything. So everybody's journey journey is is unique to them and to their dna um, right. mine is even more unique i think because i'm playing at a highly in a highly competitive field yeah and, <laughs> and it and it requires you to be physically sharp <laughs> at all right. times. and you know how that can affect multiple sclerosis can affect that so right that's why I've always felt alone. And that's been my issue on why I've stayed quiet because mm-hmm. there was no blueprint. There was nobody I can talk to that can relate. Right. To I was going to. There is nobody. I'm the, I'm the, the, the front man for whoever comes next. So, right. Yeah. So for trying to, to explain somebody what I'm going through and the rigors that I'm going through, it's just going to sound ridiculous, you know, to somebody that doesn't understand. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. This is a, it's, it's a lot. I mean, I can't imagine being a professional athlete and expecting my body to always be on. You know what I mean? Do you always feel like you're on? No, absolutely not. No. (laughs) Yeah. That's part of why, like now it's, it's, yesterday is like 94 degrees out in DC or something like that, or maybe Mm -hmm. two. It was hot. It was super hot. So those days I'm like, I don't want to do nothing. Uh Uh-huh. I don't feel like doing anything. So I actually do the opposite. I go work out in the heat, you know? So I train my mind to be in those conditions when it gets tough, when I don't want it. That's just the level of focus that I have for my sport. That's how dedicated I am. And I've trained myself over the years to, under, you know, to, to focus in that type of environment because it's going to be, when it gets February and March and your body uh-huh. starts down and you're not really feeling like getting up and doing everything in the middle of the season, Right. Days that you train for. Those are the moments that you train for to, to for your mind to to be okay and, and right. understand that as long as you keep moving, you keep repping, you know, you're gonna be all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stay mm-hmm. A part of my um most of my, my all of my twenties, I was trying to figure out how I can be in the best tip top shape that I can mm-hmm. be at all times. You know, right. All times. And that's a constant battle. I just came yeah. from I just came from working out. <laughs> So, you know, this is not some, this is 24 seven for me. So they definitely did have it wrong. Chris Wright is Superman, baby. He is. As well, right? Right. You might misquoted me again, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's admirable because it is at that age, uh, that early age, like a lot of us, when we are diagnosed in our twenties, you think, oh my gosh, my life is over. I I don't know how how I'm going to push forward. And you it seems like what you're saying is you you never felt like oh my career is over i mean i could be wrong maybe you did somewhere in the back of your mind but you just pushed through and mm-hmm. i i love that you know yeah. that's that's admirable i i never thought my career would be over absolutely never now i had one thought of that but i will <laughs> say this if i did not and this is major factor for me if i mm-hmm. did not have the support system that i have in mm-hmm. terms of my wife my kids, my mother, my father, my brother. I don't know if I would have been able to withstand this entire thing, you know, because they kind of helped me accountable. They helped yeah. me, me up. They, you know, when things are bad, I know who to turn to. When things are good, I know who to turn to. Right. Uh, so having that support system and kind of having that village has, you know, kept me up as well as my, my, my in-laws, you know, just having that support system has, yeah been major major so it'll be it'll be selfish of me to act like I haven't had a lot of support during right right yeah and that makes a big difference it does it it keeps you keeps you strong mentally which is allowing you to go out there and kick butt on the court and and Mm -hmm. continue yeah to be vulnerable yes Mm -hmm. when it's when it's it's accommodating (laughs) it allows you to be vulnerable so and that's important because you need to outlast absolutely I'm glad you use that word and yeah like you when you have a support system like that it allows you to be vulnerable because some people if you don't I mean it's hard to be vulnerable if you don't have people in your corner or you kind of act out of character and people yes certain things but they just don't know what you're going through yep yeah absolutely I think we'll change our episode title to Interview with Superman. (laughs) Right? I think so, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time and talking yes. about your MS journey. And um, we're just happy to know you now. Yes. Uh, and just wish you well in, in the season. And I don't know what's going to happen with COVID, but hey, right. you know, we're all we're going to be watching you. I don't know if we can stream your, your games or anything. You know, we can stay in contact and I can show you how to do all that stuff. But first yes. off, I just want to thank you uh, both for your for your time and, and thinking about me as a guest on your podcast. And um, I know you, you guys have been doing a long time, so I know it has to be difficult because I actually started a podcast myself uh, about three weeks ago with uh-huh. college teammates and one of my best friends. And... Uh, it's a whole different ball game when you're on that side. <laughs> is. Yeah. What's, you know? what's the name of your podcast? So we are both, obviously, we went to Georgetown University. Uh, um, mm-hmm. Our podcast, Dog Talk. Okay. Um, oh, I love it. And it's a sports podcast. We interview former Hoya legends and um, trying to, some prominent people in the, in the sports world. So we had Patrick Ewing Jr. on, Jeff Green. And then we have another one coming out this weekend. But we've also had Nolan Smith on, who's a um, director mm-hmm. of operations at Duke University. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we had uh, Kevin Durant on a couple nights ago. Um, obviously, everybody knows who Kevin Durant is. Yeah. Wow. Um, not to cut you off, but my cousin is a former NBA player. He played for the Bucks, uh, Michael Red. I, if you were, if you're interested, we'll talk. You know, when we're not recording, but I can call him and see if if he would like to talk to him too. So I'm sure he would, because he's doing other things outside of basketball right now. So yeah, I'm a big Michael Red fan. Lefty, I love yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. he was a consummate uh, professional too. This kid was, he was, he was big time. He was an all-star several times. He was on your team, USA. Yeah. That's, that's a hoop legend right there. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, thank you so much again, Chris. We really, really appreciate you um, taking the time to talk with us. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. And please stay safe out here. You too. You too. Oh, and where can people find you um, on your social media and things like that? Yes, my uh, Instagram is Chris Wright, my name, uh, underscore 11. Uh, then I'm also on, you know, I've been pumping my my Instagram for uh, the Dog Talk podcast. And it's, mm-hmm. that handle is Dog Talk 101. Okay. Uh, so follow can, me people can stream it on all apps yeah, like podcast places yes it's cool. on all podcast platforms okay also we have a youtube page as well where we also have visuals of our uh, interviews oh cool so, okay great like, type in dog talk podcast to the youtube and uh check us out sounds good. okay sounds good thank you so much thank you stay safe okay okay bye bye Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can always subscribe to us on YouTube. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.